Happy New Year. Welcome, dear friends, to 2019. The march of days has reached yet another milestone. The calendars have shifted, the numbers changed, fires, fireworks exploded, old lang syne sung, champagne uncorked, and the celebrations were marvelous and mighty. We watched news anchors awkwardly banter on television, or we were up to other shenanigans, and I won't ask you what. Now, if you were anything like me, you were trying not to fall asleep as midnight came closer. And your sleepy utterance of Happy New Year meant you finally got to go to bed. I don't know what happened, but New Year's is a mad dash to go to bed these days. But I think that counts as celebrating. Human beings need little excuse to make a holiday, a holy day, out of any occasion. But celebration of time and light are as old as our species. Before the celebration of the birth of Jesus, before the pagan celebrations of empires long perished, hunter-gatherers would take note of the passing of time. They'd notice the phases of the moon, the turning of the wheel of seasons, and each in their own way, throughout history, culture to culture, would pick a moment to say, yes, this one is special, this is a new year. The Babylonians, Iranians, and Zoroastrians would celebrate in March on the day of the northward equinox, the coming of spring. The Nepalese celebrate between April 12th and April 15th. Various other Hindu people celebrate it at several times throughout the year, depending on their location, their village, and their specific expression of Hinduism, such as the Kutchi people who celebrate in June or July. The Ethiopians celebrate theirs in September with Enkutatash, where they give bouquets of lilies to their family and friends. Our Jewish siblings look to autumn with Rosh Hashanah. Neo-pagans celebrate with Samhain between October 31st and November 1st. Muslims have a shifting New Year, celebrating two of them in 2008. And the ancient Egyptians had Wen Renpet on July 19th, when the Nile would be at its peak of flooding. Of course, the traditional Christian calendar tells us the beginning of the new year is Advent, late November or early December. And of course, one of my favorites, the Chinese New Year in February. This year is the year of the pig. Be sure to avoid the colors blue and green, so the wisdom tells us. The list of celebration goes on and on. And for those of us sitting here, we are the inheritors of the Gregorian calendar, pausing every January 1st. It's the traditions around the world that strike me most about New Year. We are all familiar with the traditions in this country, but have you ever thought about saving your old plates until December 31st, only to go to your friends' or family's homes and smash them against the doors? <laughs> you ever thought about doing that? The Danish do. Some areas of Spain consider it good luck if you can fit 12 large grapes in your mouth. And if you like bells, well, Japan is your place to be. They'll ring bells 108 times, the number of beads on a traditional Buddhist mala, or prayer bead, rope, to bring good luck. The Swiss drop ice cream on the floor. Puerto Ricans throw buckets of water out of their windows. Watch out. Some Chileans sleep overnight in a cemetery. And some Irish, and I wonder about my own ancestors here, specifically in the Gaeltacht, throw bread against the wall. 
The Finnish will melt tin and interpret the shapes once it cools. And the French, they keep it simple. They eat pancakes. <laughs> I'm sure I missed some fascinating celebrations, but we here in the United States, our biggest tradition is not in singing old lang syne, making noise, drinking, or getting that good luck kiss. No, it's in the making and almost immediate breaking of our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Now, I won't ask you how many of you found yourself with a brand new gym membership this year. I also won't ask you how that's working out for you so far. <laughs> I won't shame you for eating chocolate when you said you wouldn't, or turning on MSNBC or your channel, news channel of choice when you promised yourself you'd only support printed journalism this year, or even for skip, skipping that morning jog this day, today. I personally have a similar, if not worse, track record in keeping my resolutions as most Americans. So much so, I haven't told a single person what my resolutions are this year. <laughs> There's something to be said, though, about the resolutions that we make, even if we break them. It's not the outcomes of the resolutions, but it's the act of being mindful, of contemplating our lives, contemplating the past year, of thinking about what went well, what went horribly, and the things we believe will enrich our lives in the future, perhaps even save them in the new year. It's not just a charming ritual we fail to complete all the time, It's a meditation, and it can be a life review. All of these little moments of celebration, the oddities, the stuffing of grapes into one's mouth, throwing bread against the wall, and I want to see that happen one day. <laughs> Making resolutions, they all point to a spirit of hopefulness. It could be a gentle hopefulness, or it could be a drastic one, as if to say, we survived 2018. Thank God we survived We survived and we can begin again. And there's always another chance. That almost sounds like modern universalism to me. Perhaps the world will indeed become universalist without actually knowing it one day. In this time of second chances of beginning again, of rediscovering hope or dusting off the year that has passed, there is another word that sums up the expectancy, the making of lists, the buying of yet another gym membership. Possibility. And possibility is one of those words we hear often in churches, often from the clergy. Or maybe we just hear it a lot in Unitarian Universalist churches. I'm not too sure about the others. But it's an easy word to say. There's always that old maxim about preachers that they have at best three sermons they preach over and over and over and over and over throughout their entire career. So far, I know I have two. There's always hope. That's number one. And number two, possibility awaits. If it's one thing I believe in wholeheartedly, it is that we have possibilities before all of us. And when I say that, I don't mean middle to upper class possibilities. Do I buy the sage colored sedan or the mountain sunset one? I mean possibilities in our interior lives. They might translate to our communities, to our families, but they begin here in that great expanse that is the heart and mind. They are gut instincts. Some might call them callings of where we are feeling pulled 
where we could go next, and an awareness of what is within our grasp. These are the things that bring millions of Americans to Planet Fitness every January. But behind that outcome is the pull to move onward and upward. Within there is a reminder, the memory, the firing of a synapse that tells us possibility awaits. And we know this. We know there are alternatives to where we are going, what we believe, what we are doing. We know there are possibilities that are achievable for ourselves or for our communities or for the world. What keeps us from taking hold, from exploring those possibilities? Mindfulness researchers out of the University of Toronto, echoing mindfulness researchers out of Harvard and Oxford and name the institution, they've echoed the same thing, share the simple affirmation that our dwelling on negative emotion keeps us from engaging possibilities. The goal then is to simply enough be mindful of negativity as it comes. Not avoid it, but deal with it. Work through it. And if we can, move on. I oversimplify, but that's the bare bones message. But how? How do we engage the bad along with the good, the negative with the positive, the not so good with the pretty good? I believe this is the point in our story where the Irish start throwing loaves of bread against the wall, <laughs> or the Spanish stuff their grapes in their mouths, and Americans head to the gym. Rituals matter, and that's what they are, rituals. You might not think throwing a loaf of bread is a ritual, but it is. Every year, you throw a loaf of bread, it's a ritual. Rituals that focus our hearts and minds on the good, on the bad, and the possibilities that await us all. The Chinese spend days cleaning their homes, scrubbing windows, sleeping, sweeping floors, dusting, getting rid of unused items to clear out the bad luck in their homes before the Chinese New Year. Does it matter if there is such a thing as bad luck and sweeping makes a difference? Not really. But what does matter is the ritual. It's the aligning of our thoughts with our bodies. And mindfulness researchers will tell you those moments reduce stress, clear our minds, and induce relaxation. Now, I love ritual. Probably wouldn't be a minister if I didn't. I love small acts and moments and the grandiose rituals. And if there's one thing I wish our Puritan ancestors didn't shun, it would be the pageantry of ritual, the smells and the bells. And I know that makes some of you want to fly out of your seats right now. <laughs> but we do have rituals as Unitarian Universalists. We have moments that ask us to be mindful of specific intentions and hopes. We start our church year, August, September, with what we call water communion, a ritual that invites us to reflect on the various journeys that we all bring to our shared communities. And we end the church year with flower communion, a celebration of diversity, life, and blooming possibility. These are the two most common ones we know and celebrate here, there's also what's called fire communion, or the burning bowl ceremony, and this congregation has observed it several times in its history. It's a celebration that's held most commonly at the end of the calendar year, or just at the beginning of the new year. But what's not to like about that name, though? Fire communion. We start our year with fire. There's a great story that has been told to me several times hear from different people about one such celebration of fire communion. 
It was the end of the year, as is the custom, and this church gathered as it always does. It had to be in the last 10 years. I'm not quite sure when exactly. Some of you might remember it more clearly than I do. Well, I wasn't here, so I don't remember it at all. A beautiful bowl sat on a table right here in front, and the congregation wrote down their intentions on little slips of onion paper or magician's flash paper, or I'm not sure which. They all came forward, put their slips in the bowl. Music was surely played. And then our music director ignited the bowl, burning away the intentions the gathered people wished to give to the fire. Only as it burned, something went wrong. Now, everything had been dealt with appropriately. The paper would ignite quickly. It was designed to do so. The accelerant was added, probably alcohol, just in case. And the bowl was one of those giant heat-resistant glass bowls. Except it wasn't. (laughs) Now, here is where the story differs depending on who is telling it. As those slips of paper were burning, the bowl shattered. Suddenly, glass and fire and accelerant were on the floor of our great hall, burning bits of intentions, and the congregation gasping. Now, depending on how it's told, sometimes it sounds like the whole building was on fire, and our music director heroically swatted out the flames with her sweater. She's on vacation, by the way, and I promised to never tell the story when she was here, so... Other times, it's just burning bits on the floor, and it was just a little bit of fire, and we stamped it out, and the sweater swatted it, and it was okay. I saw some shaking heads, so I'm going with the first one, and that's the one I prefer, a grandiose explosion of burning bits. I do love ritual, and ritual goes wrong sometimes. Our ritual today does not involve fire. There will be no burning bits or exploding bowls. But I see how it is. All right. But our ritual does involve being mindful of possibility. More specifically, what emotions, what thoughts, what anything do we need to deal with, recognize, and let dissolve from our minds? What do we need to move beyond to embrace the possibilities awaiting all of us? Now, when I think of possibility, I like to imagine great wells, deep pools as clear as anything, reflecting back a slightly different image of the world around us. There is a great power in such an image. In Kilmovie, Ireland, in County Mayo, legend tells of St. Movi arriving there needing a well to baptize people, but there was no well. So he struck his staff in the ground, and suddenly three wells appeared out of nowhere, where they stand today. The poetic Edas of Norse mythology tell us of the three wells at the base of Yggdrasil, the world tree, the tree of life, whose sole purpose is to hold our fates within them, past, present, and future. And most of us have heard the story of Jesus of Nazareth at Jacob's well, where he speaks with a Samaritan woman and takes water from her, an act that gave a glimpse of what the beloved community is like, people treating each other with dignity, not division. These are wells of possibility and wells of hope, 
and wells of beginning again. Before us, throughout our great hall, are three bowls filled with water. Ordinary Kentucky water and ordinary flame-resistant, well, there are no flames, <laughs> non-shatterable bowls. But for us, these ordinary things are reminders. Not reminders to take a dive or to see our reflection, though they can be that for us if we want them to be. Instead, they are reminders of that ritual many of us partook of a mere six days ago, that of welcoming the new year and resolving to embrace whatever possibilities await us. But for many of us, our work is not done. We have thoughts and emotions that are holding us back, preventing us from embracing the newness of this year, whatever it will be and whatever will happen. Can we allow ourselves today to let those things begin dissolving from our hearts and from our minds? Can we open up the wells of possibility that are right here within for ourselves and for this place? Can we let go of what is no longer serving us well? Now you all received little bits of paper and I'm going to start asking you to reflect on we still got a little ways to go before we get to this point, but reflect on the things that are holding you back. What can you let go of today or begin to think about letting go of? Soon you'll be invited to come forward and to just simply take those things. You know, mine is doubt. I need to let go of doubt. And as you put them into the water, they just disappear. They begin dissolving. Think about those things. Think about the things that you want to dissolve from your heart and your mind. And while we are collecting our offering this morning, you'll have some time to think about that. And so, blessed be, amen, and let us begin thinking about what we wish to let go of.